If you've ever got a student to do something by calling it a game, you might be a teacher. Being a teacher sometimes means finding ways around limitations, problems, or struggles to keep things on track. We learn to improvise and adapt. But when it comes to teaching language arts in our school, we don't have to find workarounds. Loyola Press took the long view when they created Voyages in English, the brilliant K-8 language arts program. The fundamentals of grammar and writing that students learn enable them to become effective writers, which can help improve performance on standardized tests and grow into successful communicators. The flexible framework of Voyages in English is adaptable to any teaching style and any student's abilities. With practice, the mechanics build in complexity over time. It just all works together. Visit voyagesinenglish.com to learn more, then order a sample. With Voyages in English, there are no crazy workarounds, just solid help for today's language arts teachers. Catholic Teachers Lounge with Jill and Colleen. Welcome to the Catholic Teachers Lounge, the only podcast by Catholic school teachers for Catholic school teachers. I'm Colleen and I'm here with Jill and we are grateful to be together again to laugh, explore and connect. Thank you to Loyola Press for sponsoring us and for you, the teachers, for doing what you do every day. Hey, Jill, how's it going? Good. How are you, Colleen? I'm pretty good. Hey, I'm curious if in uh, good old Grand Rapids there, there are any museums that kids frequently go to for field trips there in the big city. (laughs) I love when people think Grand Rapids is like farm country. I know. I'm not even kidding though. I'm not even kidding. Like people come and they're like, oh, there's like big buildings. Yeah. Yeah. It's a city. I couldn't believe you have an airport. airport. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yes, of course. We have a children's museum and the public mm-hmm. museum. We have the President Ford Museum because President Ford is from Grand Rapids. Oh. We have a beautiful art museum. We have smaller museums too. We have like an African American. Uh, I think it's that's also an art museum. We have, we have stuff. Come on now. All right. Um, all right. We okay. do. We do. But this is reminding me. So I have a, I mm-hmm. had a scenario recently. I um, was in Washington, D.C. for an event and in a rare, this was a rare day all to myself. I had the full day. I took an early flight. So I had from 10 a.m. until evening by myself in Washington, D.C. Mm, and what did I love everything. I did. I love Washington, I, D.C. I, I, I think I did more steps that day than I did my day in Rome. Like I just walked everywhere. Mm. But I, um, I realized as I was going in and out of the Smithsonian's, I went to, I think, four different museums because I could go at my yeah. own pace. And I don't yep. love reading all of the captions on the things like I think I walk through museums. I think I walk through museums a lot faster than other people. Oh, I love stopping and reading. Do you? We would would not um, be good together. (laughs) Well, and this is why it was so selfish and so fun to go by myself because I wasn't slowed down. Usually, I have you know a kid or two or three with me, and I'm trying to explain what what we're looking at. And and if you're in, I mean. There's no better place than the mall in Washington, D.C., where you're just walking up and you can do... I mean, within a few hours, I saw Monet's and Van Gogh's. I saw Mm -hmm. dinosaur bones. I saw saw space shuttles. Like I did Mm -hmm. all the big things. I mean, you can can just keep keep going. And I... um, 
What I realized though, and maybe it was my own problem because I was trying to do so much just because I wanted to visit all the places that I I loved that usually spend a whole week doing when you're there. I started to feel for when you take kids to a museum on a field trip and maybe they've never been to that museum, how overwhelming the whole experience could be. Because even if you chose one Smithsonian and you're going through all the exhibits you are on information overload. And when you have to, as an adult, I can conceptualize timelines and, uh, you know, scientific phenomenon. Like I have a lot of background knowledge. My schema is pretty solid. So when I walk in, I know what I'm looking at. But when you bring, you know, first graders or seventh graders or whatever, you bring them in and now they're seeing all kinds of stuff. How do you correctly position it so it's not just information overload, but you're actually doing some learning that you're going to retain? And that's that's where it got a little tricky in my head. I started taking some pictures. I put it in our um, Facebook group, the Catholic Teachers Lounge on Facebook and just said like, hey, how do you how do you handle overload? We had a little bit of conversation in there, but I think I think now over time, as I'm thinking back to that moment, I'm thinking a lot about how well teachers position things before the field trip. Like, how do you yeah. use your time before yep. and after? So it's not like, oh, cool, great museum. And then like, you're so confused. I remember being confused as a kid. Like, I remember coming home from the museums <laughs> and being like, what did I even look at? And it was yeah. probably explained to me, but there's this nostalgic... Um, there In the Grand Rapids Public Museum, there is a street and it's called like the old streets of Grand Rapids and it's dark. It's like an evening in Grand Rapids, but like even to this day, I don't know what the date is of like you're walking mm. the streets of Grand Rapids and all the little shops, like the automobiles are new or there's carriages. And I remember like I can visualize the whole thing, but I don't have a historical place in my mind for where that goes. And I'm an adult yeah. and I've probably seen that exhibit 15 times. But, and you know, I, I just think about all the overload that you have when you go to a museum. Okay. So my, there's a couple of things that are popping into my head here. And for sure, if you're taking kids on a field trip, yeah, you got it. You're going to have to do some prep work if you're going to a museum. So, um, when I was, a um, let's go when I was a student. So when I was a, a student in elementary school, remember, and I don't remember what year it was, I want to say probably fifth grade. And we went to the museum of science and industry, uh, on the South side of Chicago. If you've ever been oh, to that's a great one. the Museum that's such, of Science again, and Industry. That's a good one. You fantastic. could get so overwhelmed because you go from exhibit to exhibit and you're seeing yeah, and every so different much. part of science. Yes. 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 And actually like there, that, that old timey cobblestone street, that, that exhibit is also part of the Museum of Science mm. and Industry, but you've got the coal mine, you've got the, um, the, the submarine that you can mm-hmm. visit. You have, which is the, the first time and one, okay. So when we went as a class, one of the things that our teacher prepped us on, and we were prepped for this museum because for many of, for many kids, it was, you know, their first time visiting the, the museum. And there were things that our teacher wanted us to get out of it, or at least be prepared for it. And it's almost like, and I know we've talked about social stories. So anymore, like, I think you should do some social stories about museum visits anyway, because you're going to see some things that might be confusing or, you know, who knows. But, um, 
but that you might not expect to see. So let's make sure everybody's prepared to be seeing these things. And one of those exhibits was the, um, the development of a human fetus. There at the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago, there is an exhibit that shows from the moment of conception all the way until the moment of birth and what every single developmental stage is. It's this huge wall. And in every single, you know, window, there's, you know, another stage of development. And we walked through that thing and we were well prepped for that. And thank God we were well prepped for that. Yeah, (laughs) that would have been a strange one as a small child if you hadn't already Mm -hmm. done um, some baseline of the human person. And, right. But, yeah. but such a, I have so many wonderful memories of that museum. And then of course, taking my own kids to that museum too, and, and doing some prep work with them as well. But I've also taken eighth graders to the Smithsonian's and um, actually I've taken eighth graders on trips to Washington DC. So let's back it out a little bit. So not just the museums, but the museums were part of our, our pre-work assignment. So before we knew that we were going to Washington, D.C. in April of eighth grade year. So during the course of the year, part of my English language arts classes was doing speeches. And so um, all of the kids had a topic that was related to something that we were going to see or experience in Washington, D.C. And so every student did research on that topic. And some of those were about the museums or museum exhibits. So these are things that we're going to see. And then the kids, when we went to Washington, D.C., they didn't visit every single museum, but they had a context of what every single museum was and had some idea of what they might see there if they had been, you know, listening to the student speeches. But that was a really great way to prep kids for it. So just work it into your, you know, work it into your class, work it into your classwork. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think focusing on a couple of things. So, okay, if this is the key exhibit, because it's what we've been studying, mm-hmm. um, then those kids are going to have the aha, because now they can actually see it, touch it, move around it, like move around it in a space much different than in your classroom with the textbook. And so um, that's awesome. I think going in and coming out of those experiences does so much for conceptualizing something that you otherwise wouldn't have experienced. So um, I really, really appreciate you thinking about that one with me because um, I love field trips and we want to get the most out of them because they are difficult to organize and can be expensive and you don't want to miss the opportunity to learn as much as you can. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And you want the students to get as much enjoyment and as much learning out of it as humanly possible. So, all right. Well, thanks for bringing up that topic today, Jill. That was great. But that is the bell. So it's time to go back to class. Thanks for the energy boost as we love exploring your ideas and affirming your efforts. Keep the suggestions coming in and tune into our next episode as we talk about more great ideas from fellow teachers. And we will see you next time. 